Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. I'm Matthew McGregor, the campaign director here at Hope Not Hate. It's been a busy week for developments about the threat of far-right terrorism. On Monday, BBC Panorama exposed the founder of the forum, Fascist Forge, and helped bring some of these issues to light. And then on Tuesday, authorities in the US charged a serving US soldier with conspiring with the Nazi Satanist group, the Order of Nine Angles, to murder members of the soldier's unit. On Wednesday, I spoke to Patrick Hamanson from our research team to dig into the details of that indictment, and it's really worth listening to that episode if you haven't already. But for today's episode, I want to delve into what the UK authorities can do about this rising threat. We've been trying to build support in Parliament to sound the alarm. I thank my Honourable friend uh, giving way and I completely agree with his, his comments. Would he agree with me that, that that particular threat that we face from far-right organisations um, is put in, in, in stark fact before us? We, we just passed the 21st anniversary of the London nail bombings, of course, by an individual who uh, targeted the black community in Brixton, targeted the Bengali community in the East End, and then targeted the LGBT community at the Admiral Duncan pub. And uh, the trial judge at the time said it was uh, unlikely that he would ever be able to be uh, released safely, given the uh, awfulness of the crimes he committed. Um, and does he agree with me? That's why we need to go after these organisations like the Order of Nine Angles and others who have the same ideology. In a moment, we'll hear from our parliamentary chair, Stephanie Peacock, on the campaign to get ONA banned. But first, I spoke to Stephen Doughty, who you just heard there raising these issues in the Commons a few weeks ago. Stephen is a member of the Home Affairs Select Committee, and I started by asking him about the nature of the threat from the far right. The, the threat of terrorism in the, in the media is, is most often portrayed in the sense of you know, Islamist attacks, but the threat of the far right, uh, of far right violence is rising. Can you say a bit about the, the nature of that threat and why people should be concerned about it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I have to say I've I've had the experience of sort of both ends of extremism um, and involvement with uh, terrorism in my own constituency in South Wales. Um, unfortunately, we had a number of young people who went off to uh, fight with Daesh. Uh, we've had others in groups uh, linked to supporting them in the past. But for many, many years, um, I've been raising concerns about the rise of um, far-right and extreme right-wing organisations, not only in uh, South Wales and my own community, but across the UK. And I think, uh, as you say, there's been a lot of focus on on one particular group of extremists, um, uh, with perhaps not as much attention being placed on others. And we've seen a number of sort of very uh, disturbing cases, um, one of which was in my own uh, community, um, involving a range of um, extreme right-wing organisations and the whole spectrum of other organisations, um, which act as the kind of feeders and sort of uh, breeding ground for these types of uh, ideologies and unfortunately in the end, um, actions. And uh, I've, I've had regular conversations with um, South Wales Police and our extremist terrorism unit um, and with uh, ministers at a UK level and a Welsh level about the threat that I believe to be there um, and a number of investigations by journalists and others and of course the excellent work of organisations I hope not hate in exposing uh, these organisations, their tactics, uh, what they're attempting to do and the particularly disturbing grooming activity that goes on particularly with young people which is a feature that we've seen you know used by Islamist groups as well um, but particularly uh, trying to get people online um, feeding them information trying to sort of graduate them through uh, different groups and different um, activities um, ultimately with the aim uh, you know of trying to 
create um, extremely violent individuals who are willing to carry out uh, the very, very worst acts. But there's that whole spectrum of activity that goes right up to the extreme violence that we've seen, regrettably, from some individuals. Yeah, I, I want to come on to ask you about the, those really extreme um, actions that the groups like this are, are plotting. But can you talk a bit about the incidents you had in your in your constituency with um, activism from uh, uh, you know, far-right activists and the impact it had on local people? Because it wasn't violent in its nature, but it was very disturbing. Yeah, it was. I mean, we, we were having um, an annual march um, that's planned uh, against uh, racism, UN um, Anti-Racism Day, um, and against all forms of extremism and discrimination. And uh, the day before, um, a group we now know known to have been linked to um, systems, System Resistance Network and uh, um, National Action, the kind of rebrands uh, of these particular groups, uh, carried out a, a postering and um, graffiti exercise around one of the most diverse communities in uh, South Wales and indeed across the UK, um, deliberately uh, targeting uh, the black community, the Muslim community, uh, and also with uh, implications against the Jewish um, and LGBT community as well. And we saw um, swastikas daubed across uh, buildings, um, uh, graffiti saying this is a neo-Nazi zone and particularly disturbing were some posters that were put up um, referring in an extremely discriminatory way, uh, racist way against uh, one particular population locally um, with links through to um, extreme right-wing websites uh, for recruitment and this has been allied to other material that I've seen circulating locally including very very professional uh, videos uh, and others um, featuring groups of people walking around um, doing Hal Hitler salutes, um, advocating violence against not only against those communities but also against the police um, and the state um, and actions actually targeting the police as well and I think that we need to understand that these organizations you know are uh, you know wide in their list of targets um, you know they're not only against the Muslim community against the black community against the Jewish community against the gay community um, but also want to cause harm to uh, public service workers and others and I think that sort of underlines the kind of danger these organizations present um, but as you say you know for a lot of people they didn't experience direct violence but what they did see was highly intimidatory messages uh, posters and swastikas daubed on uh, buildings and in streets you know that young children were about to walk down to go to school in one of the most diverse communities in Cardiff um, and that obviously created a great degree of fear and uh, uh, concern in the community. Um, and, and, and in terms of the, the, the even more extreme um, uh, activities of these groups you know the police have warned that there is a rising threat from from the far right when it comes to acts of violence and we've seen horrendous terrorist acts in in other countries and we've been impacted here as well how seriously do you think the government needs to take that threat and 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 do you think that there are kind of um are there imminent uh uh, uh possibilities of, of violent attacks by the far right well, the government certainly do need to take this more seriously and they need to act much more quickly. Um, I've been deeply concerned, actually, that despite, for example, raising concerns about um, National Action System Resistance Network, Solon Creek Division um, and these other organisations over a lengthy period, it took um, you know, years for them to actually be prescribed and for um, clear enforcement action to be taken, even though there was kind of a very clear set of evidence um, as regards their activities. Um, and that's been really frustrating because when you go and have... You 
know, the kind of private conversations with ministers, when you raise things on the floor of the House, uh, when you're discussing them with uh, police and other law enforcement agencies, and then the action is not happening quickly. You do sort of wonder what, what's going on here. Is this, a, is this a sort of a reluctance to deal with these organisations, or is it the simply the system is far too bureaucratic and, and slow to respond to what is a very, I would argue, an imminent threat? Um, and, you know, this you know, relates now to organisations that we've, we've been raising concerns about in the House, such as the Order of Nine Angles. Um, you know, the government should just get on with and, and ban and take serious action against this group. There's very clear evidence about their activities. Um, and I think there has been sort of a, a slowness in the system that I, I find deeply concerning. I, I think the other area where, you know, we've seen a lot of talk from the government, but as yet no firm action is on um, the online activities of a lot of these organisations and the platforms that they use to organise. And that ranges from kind of, you know, uh, material that you can quite easily find on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and so on, um, but also on messaging platforms such as Telegram, um, and also on the kind of uh, gaming sites and other um, online vehicles which these organisations are using to recruit and groom individuals. And again, there's a wealth of evidence on this, but very little action having been taken, not only by government, but also, of course, by the companies that run uh, these uh, services. Um, and some of that is the most disturbing um, and, and, and worrying aspect of it for me, because, you know, these are the sorts of sites and information which are being accessed, accessed by individuals in their bedrooms, you know, without any oversight um, and, you know, quite easily able to access. This is not some sort of deep stuff that's hidden on the dark web. Um, it, it's there in plain sight for, for everyone to view. And I can't understand why there hasn't been more action taken and more robustly. And when you, I mean, you, you mentioned the Sonnen Creek Division, who were who were banned after a really long delay, basically at the point at which they had become all but but moribund. Are you worried? Are you worried that the government is is dragging its feet on on banning the Order of Nine Angles? We saw the indictment in the U.S. on Monday of a serving U.S. soldier for conspiring with ONA. Are you worried that they're not moving quickly enough on, on that group? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why myself and my colleague Steph Peacock have, have raised this now in the, in the chamber um, a number of occasions and um, uh, have raised along with a number of other groups that the government needs to be taking action on. Um, you know, the, the evidence is clear. It's there for all to see. And the government needs to act much more swiftly in dealing with these groups. Because as you say, if they wait so long that they're effectively moribund and have rebranded themselves under another name or another um, moniker that they that they use, um, then it's even harder to to track down and to fundamentally to be able to prosecute and, and deal with the individuals who, who, who are linked. Um, but as I say, what's particularly concerning is that even with the list of prescribed organisations that exist at the moment, it is still very easy to access information relating to these organisations. And um, there's a huge failure on the part of, um, for example, uh, some of the social media companies um, in taking down this information quickly. I mean, it took me you know, months, for example, arguing with Twitter for them to remove um, the account for an extreme right wing online radio station, um, even though it was there in plain sight for everyone to see with an extremely disturbing name. Um, and, you know, that's why I think the voluntary approach cannot work on this anymore and the government's talked about its online harms white paper but they need to bring in um, robust legislation to demand that um, you know material is removed quickly um, and, and securely in the way that we would expect for any other extremist organization and um, last question for me I, I want to uh, ask about the, the process of prescribing organizations mm. obviously is it's moving fairly slowly do you think it's the government isn't taking the threat of far-right uh, 
uh, terrorism as seriously? Or do you think the process itself of reviewing organisations within government um, is, is too ponderous? Or is it a mix of both of those things or something else entirely? I think it's probably a mix of the, the two. Um, I mean, it's certainly in terms of their public statements, the government say that they're taking it seriously. And certainly if you listen to senior law enforcement officials, um, they're clear about the threat that is posed. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to, to talk the talk, but it's another thing to actually take the action. And as I said, I've been through my own very frustrating experiences in the past where you know, I've had meetings with the ministers who actually take the decisions. There is clear evidence. They're clearly aware of the activities and they're not just receiving that from members of parliament who are raising concerns, but also from within the law enforcement community itself. And yet the action hasn't been taken. So it's clear for me that we need to um, accelerate and um, streamline the processes. Obviously, appropriate protections need to be in place. And we don't want to see individuals or organisations wrongly caught up in what is extremely um, tough legislation. But, you know, in the case of some of these organisations, it is clear cut what they're up to um, and their intent to um, uh, harm and, and in some cases undertake extreme acts of violence. Um, you know, against not only members of minority communities, but also, as I said, against, um, you know, police, members of parliament um, and others. Um, so, you know, the, the government needs to pull its finger out and, and get much more robust on this, because that's certainly the message I get from within the law enforcement community, that they seem equally frustrated at times that, you know, they're, they're reporting these things within the system, and yet the action is not forthcoming. Stephen Doughty MP there, with a really concerning view of the scale of the challenge. Next, I spoke to Stephanie Peacock, MP. Earlier this week, Steph raised the indictment of the US soldier in the House of Commons, directly with the leader of the House, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Stephanie Peacock. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Can we have a government statement on why the Home Office will not ban the Satanist Nazi group, the Order of the Nine Angles, yeah, yeah. when in the US a soldier has been indicted mm. for plotting with the organisation to commit murder and vile acts of terror? Yeah, yeah. Um, Mr Speaker, this sounds a very serious matter, of which I must confess I was not previously aware. When I spoke to Stephanie, I started by asking her whether a ban was the right way to go. The, 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 the plot uh, makes it quite clear that the Order of Nine Angles have engaged in acts of, of violence in the past. You, I mean, that in itself is, is evidence, but do you think that the Order of Nine Angles more, more generally, are, you know, are they a threat? Should we be worried about them? I think we, we clearly should. I mean, if you look at some of the statistics, you know, over the last 12 months for uh, teenage neo-Nazis have been convicted of terrorist and sexual offences and they've been linked um, to the Order of the Nine Angles and there are more cases pending. So it is clear that they are inciting hatred and violence and terrorism and that they are a real threat. And we can see from what's happened in the US um, that someone's actually been indicted and is facing charges with work for working with them. And we just heard you asking Jacob Rees-Mogg about uh, the indictment and, and, and his response. Uh, you know, we, you've written to the Home Secretary in the past. What, what, uh, what response did you get then and why did you feel that you needed to raise it again today? Yeah, so one of the um, the last events I did before for lockdown was to deliver that letter to the Home Office. Um, we received a letter back in, in mid-April. Um, I've got it here. I, I, I'll, I'll summarise it. I, I, I simply think it, it just doesn't take the ask or the threat seriously enough um you know it, it, it obviously outlines that we've requested for them to become a prescribed terrorist organization and, and, a, and a prescribed group um and then it states that you know an 
an organisation can only be prescribed if it commits and participates in acts of terrorism, prepares, promotes or encourages it. Well, it's pretty clear to me that that's what this organisation is doing and that the response to me um, doesn't acknowledge that, and which is why I wanted to raise it in the House of Commons today and push the government to revise um, their response. Jacob Rees-Mogg said that he would he would raise it with with the Home Secretary, which is, uh, I, I guess, encouraging in, in one sense. But again, it's another example of the government, you know, going slowly. I, I don't want to um, be tougher than that, um, but you could call it dragging their feet. Why do you think the government isn't responding more aggressively to threats from organisations like the Order of Nine Angles? I'm not sure. And I really think they should be. You know, again, in the letter, it states the government remains to tackling all forms of extremism and hatred. And, you know, I, I hope they're sincere in making that statement. But in, in doing so, I, d I don't understand why they won't move fast enough. And in situa situations like this, there does need to be some ability to be responsive. You know, situations change quite rapidly and groups develop more information and evidence and intelligence comes uh, about um, or, you know, is discovered by them. So I think that, you know, the government do need to um, to step up on this and I'm hopeful that you know having asked um, Jacob rees today to look at it again and and to give a government statement um, that they will do that. And I just want to take a quick step um, back uh, why do you think uh, uh, the government should ban the order of nine angles I mean let's just give, give it from that big picture point of view mm -hmm. what what would what would be the benefit of, of banning them? Well they're clearly a a Nazi satanic group who are promoting violence, terrorism, sexual violence. Uh, and by making them a prescribed organisation, it means that um, the authorities have a lot more tools in how they deal with them. You know, they might continue to be highly illegal um, and continue to promote hate, but it means then that those that are engaging with them, that are encouraging support for them, can face criminal pr prosecution and, and the, the authorities can, can deal with them a, a lot more firmly. Uh, just on a, a, a related but slightly different topic, I want to ask about um, Telegram and, and the role of mm -hmm. uh, social media uh, platforms in in allowing these organisations to um, to organise. You know, do do you think the government needs to consider uh, action uh, against those platforms? Um, how can we how can we try and um, force those platforms to to act against groups like ONA? I think they should. Um feel a sense of responsibility and they do have a responsibility to act against uh, far-right groups, terrorist groups and any group that's promoting hate uh, and what we've seen with Telegram is they're just simply not willing to do that. You know, it's the, one of the fastest growing social media platforms and they've just got such a lax view on moderation um, where they've got you know 400 million active users per month which is a huge number of people, it's more than Twitter um, and it's quite worrying that because they're unwilling to moderate it's become a sort of go-to platform for the far right. And just to finish up I mean, what would your message be to um, Priti Patel about uh, about the need to, to ban ONA and, and, and whether they need to move quickly on this? I think they do need to look, move quickly and I think they need to look at the evidence in front of them and rethink the decision and make it quite swiftly you know they've got in black and white the evidence from the US I think if they look at um, more widely, as we've mentioned earlier, you know, there were four neo-Nazi convictions linked to the, the, the Order of the Nine Angles in the last year. The evidence is clearly there. And, you know, if they are to do what they put in their original letter to me, which is to prescribe organisations that, uh, pr that promote or encourage terrorism, then this is clearly a group that should be on that list.
There's much, much more work to be done on this, and it's alarming the government haven't said they're moving quickly to ban ONA, so we're going to keep the pressure on them. Thank you to Stephen Doughty and to Stephanie Peacock for talking to us for this episode and for their work in Parliament to tackle these vile groups. And thank you to you for listening. Please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Those really help more people to find us. And finally, a big shout out to members of Hope Not Hate. Your support literally means we can keep doing what we're doing. If you're not a member already and want to help us, please head to hopenothate.org.uk and click the big Become a Member button in the corner. Thank you for listening.